0: Welcome back to Fresh Pressed for February 18th, 2020. I'm
1: Gabe. And I'm Andrew. This is a show about music where we talk about new tunes and old grooves. I don't have a different version of that one today because I couldn't figure out how to put the word president into that phrase. You couldn't have gone with presidential grooves? I don't know. Yeah, but that's just, it's just so difficult. many syllables.
0: It really is only, like, six. Four. It's four. (laughs) As Andrew alluded, the theme this week is presidents.
1: Why, Um, Gabe?
0: Well, yesterday, when you're listening to this yesterday, not while we're recording this yesterday, but when you're listening to this, was Presidents Day, or at least the observed Presidents Day. So, Andrew, here's a question for you. Yes. Do you know what the official name is for president's day i do because i also
1: looked this up earlier damn it
0: no this is my job
1: (laughs) it's washington's birthday yeah it's washington's birthday
0: shit okay but in some states it's not called it's also it is called president's day even though federally it's known as washington's birthday
1: um i think some places it's called washington and lincoln's birthday
0: Yeah, and do you know what it's called in California? Did you see that little blurb on Wikipedia?
1: No, I did not see that blurb. What is it called in California?
0: In California, it's called the third Monday in February.
1: (laughs) Are you serious? I'm serious. Like, officially, or they just don't have a name for it?
0: Nope, officially. (laughs) Um, Lincoln's birthday, is celebrated as a state holiday, but it's a separate state holiday. Interesting. and i guess california just wants george washington to fuck right off huh yeah uh but that's okay um there are some interesting traditions on presidents day which i thought i'd cover briefly apparently you're supposed to eat cherry pie i don't think i've ever eaten cherry pie on presidents day but if somebody has cherry pie please bring it and i will certainly eat it what i
1: don't really like cherry pie which is which is embarrassing for me as a As a big Twin Peaks fan
0: Yeah that is embarrassing for you As a big Twin Peaks fan Also as a fan of delicious pastry
1: Yeah well it's not I mean the pastry doesn't bother me It's just that I don't really like Like a cooked cherry flavor I just don't It's not a fan
0: The problem with cherry pie I think is that the cherry Filling can be cloying
1: That's not No but that's not even what I'm talking about Like I've had like good Like homemade sour cherry good pie and i don't like the taste of it
0: (laughs) all right fair enough the other tradition that is regularly celebrated apparently on president's day is that in the senate of the united states they read washington's farewell address which i find particularly ironic this year (laughs) although maybe it's been that way for the last whatever 20 years because one of the key parts of that farewell address is Washington's plea for nonpartisanship. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, happy yeah. third Monday in February, folks. Let's do some songs. Andrew, you got a
1: president song? I do have a president song. Um, the song that I have brought is Abraham Lincoln, birthday boy himself, um, by Lead Belly.
0: It tells a story about that train. That Abraham Lincoln was not on that train when that train started on his trip that day. Where was it? He was down in Alabama, miles away.
1: Birthday Boy himself is not part of the title, it's just called Abraham Lincoln. I want to be clear about that. Thank
0: you for the clarification. Also, as we just established, this is Washington's birthday, not Lincoln's birthday.
1: Well, but Lincoln's birthday is also in February, and some places it's called Washington and Lincoln's birthday. That's why it's called President's Day and not just Washington's birthday. That's true. Uh, anyway, uh, Lead Belly. You're familiar with Lead Belly. He's very famous.
0: Absolutely familiar with Lead Belly. He is
1: very famous. Yeah, so Lead Belly, if you're not familiar, um, is like a, a, a blues and... I guess folk. you could argue, Uh, but like bluesy, folky musician from, I believe he was born in the 19th century. I should probably have some sort of biographical information up on my computer screen, shouldn't I?
0: Yeah, I was relying on you to do the research for your artist, but that's okay.
1: Yep, born in 1888. Yeah,
0: so. Damn.
1: Yeah, and his his real name is uh, Hugh D. William Ledbetter. So you can sort of see how the name Leadbelly Belly" came around definitely uh he's anyway, a guitarist, he's a singer, he's a musician um he's really great he has a lot of uh like there there's a lot of old recordings of his that are uh, like iconic early American recordings of of folk and blues music
0: right he's famous in the way. Like, Robert Johnson is very famous. Very influential early blues artist. Um, yeah. With a lot of these, like, just really old-sounding recordings, but that really changed the direction of American music, full stop.
1: Yeah. So um, this song, Abraham Lincoln, was not one that I was previously familiar with. Um, and... Well, I want to I explain how I came uh, across this song. So I did what I often do when looking for theme stuff, which is, like, search a lot of words related to the theme and then add a bunch of songs to a playlist and then listen to that playlist all the way through later. Um, just, like, have everything that fits in the category and then just listen to it. So I did that, um, and this song started, and I was like, oh, okay, so it's just, you know, it's sort of like a basic bluesy folky kind of song about Abraham Lincoln and then there's some like spoken interjections which are sort of weird like it's sort of like telling the story of Abraham Lincoln but not really the story of Abraham Lincoln just like a story of Abraham Lincoln and I was like okay I'll probably pick something else and then the middle section started which is so fucking cool he just totally the guitar entirely drops out and he just goes into this like uh, I don't even, like, this, like, just spiritual, like, calling sort of style of singing, I, arguably about Abraham Lincoln, but more really about Jesus or, like, a, a martyr, just sort of like Abraham Lincoln as a martyr. Um, and with just all this imagery, and it's so, uh, like, strong and, and powerfully uh, emotional in his voice. And the sun went down, and it went down in the morning. yeah. And while he was lying there, seven angels leaped over the battlements of glory and come down to get him. Ah. And then he finishes that and then just drops right back into the, like, doom, doop, doom, doop, doom, doop, Abraham Lincoln, whatever thing. Which is, like, fine. But it was just so, uh,. I don't know so powerful in that in that central moment it feels like you just it's just like in this uh rapturous uh it's it's like he's like suddenly in like a, a trance and then it just sort of like pops out of it and goes right back into the original song
0: it is shocking to listen to this song for the first time i was stunned because you sent me the song i started listening to it and honestly i started to tune out i was like okay right This is just like a blues song. That's fine. I get it's about Abraham Lincoln, whatever. And then all of a sudden you're like, there's this acapella section. It's just the one guy, just Lead Belly, just belting it out. And he has this wildly beautiful vibrato that's really, really fast and really tight that's like kind of quavery. And he's launching up his vocal range and, and all of a sudden all of this Jesus imagery is overlaid on top of Abraham Lincoln I just completely stopped whatever I was doing to listen. And then equally shocking is that moment when he drops out and it all it's just back to the guitar. And it's just another yeah. blues song. It's the kind of song that you could like listen the first 20 seconds of and be like, okay, whatever. This is like classic old blues, but it's just another song. It turns out it's not, and there's a reason why this Lead Belly guy is pretty famous.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was just so cr- I had the exact same experience. I was on the train, and I was like, "No, oh, okay, I'll just I'll listen to the rest of this because I don't feel like reaching in my pocket and skipping to the next song in my playlist. I'll just keep listening to it." And then I just like, I just, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It was it was cr- just crazy to hear that in the middle. It gets like even more animated as as that section goes on. Um, uh, when he gets to that line, like "Ain't We Got a New Land," it's just so good. He just, like, slides over it so nicely. It's, um, it's incredible.
0: Oh, we got a new land.
1: Yeah, I think your
0: reference to this feeling, I don't know, like, there's a lot of gospel in here. Um, and feeling very spiritual in the church. And, of course, all of the, like, savior imagery as well it feels kind of hallowed in that way. Like yeah. you're watching somebody sing in like a beautiful setting. and I don't know. So powerful. I...
1: Yeah. I can't imagine what it would be like to see this performed live. If you don't like, I don't know. It's just like one of those things that seems so transcendent um, and in the moment. Like, I don't I don't know the story behind the recording of the song or the writing of the song at all. But I would not be surprised if you told me, like, oh, yeah, he wrote the song about Abraham Lincoln. And then in the middle of it, he was just like, fuck this, I got to sing this, and just started doing that. And then went back to it and finished the song. And they were like, okay, that's going on the record, I guess. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, and when these kind of recordings were being made, right, again no multi-tracking we talked about this a little last week so this is a one take he's in a room maybe with two microphones probably with two microphones one for his guitar and one for him and yeah wow really good
1: yeah i would I, i i don't know how i'm gonna end up clipping this song but i would just recommend just just listen to it from the beginning through the end which is really what i recommend about every song Rather than listening to like three twenty second clips in a podcast. But um I think the effect of this is, is really powerful if you listen to it from beginning to end with with no people talking in the middle of it. Yeah, Andrew brings up a good point.
0: We're we're here to give you samplers, but we would love if you listen to all of these songs, especially because a couple of our songs this week stretch well past eight minutes. Yeah. So um Having three twenty second clips does not really give you a sense of the full scope of the music. No. And for that we have a Spotify playlist.
1: Yeah. Oh nice. It's in the show notes. He said you may bear me in the
0: east, you may bear me in the west, but I hear that coming song in the morning. There is a
1: news. Some Washington news. Um, speaking of songs that uh, stretch away past eight minutes, Gabe, what, what track did you bring this week?
0: Yeah, I brought more of an epic, I think. Um, the song I brought is B-Movie from Gil Scott Heron and his 1981 record, Reflections. But oh yeah, I remember in this year that we have now declared the year from Shogun
1: to Raygun. I remember what I said about Reagan Minute. Acted like an actor, Hollywood. Acted like a liberal. Acted like General Franco when he acted like Governor of California. Then he acted like a Republican. I want to get this out of the way.
0: Oh, okay. Well, we can just move on to the next song then.
1: Is this song or is this song not about Jerry Seinfeld?
0: No, that no, cut that. That's terrible. Boo! It's not about Jerry Seinfeld or the B movie with two E's. It's a B movie, as in like not an A movie. So I've been circling him as bringing him for one of my songs for like uh, the last month and a half or whatever. Um, he, uh, right. So last week, uh, an album from. Micaiah McCraven came out that uh, repurposes his last record called "I'm New Here" and keeps his vocals over top of um, a new jazz production underneath. Um, and um, he's also that last album also collaborated on with Jamie xx and a bunch of other people. So I thought it was time to bring in maybe one of his older songs um, that really showcases who he was. Um, and how influential Gil Scott Heron was as an artist in the 70s and 80s. Heron is one of those, uh, I would say, one of the great spoken word artists in American music. Um, Wikipedia describes him as an American soul and jazz poet, which I think is lovely, but I like his own description of his music uh, more. He calls himself, or he called himself, sorry, a bluesologist. (laughs) Wow. which is cool. Um he's also been described as the godfather of rap. Um and a lot of his music can be described in that way, kind of um spoken word over uh funk and um percussion heavy production which you can draw I think a line to rap, although apparently he always kind of rejected that notion. Um I gather that he actually wasn't a big fan of hip-hop um, and didn't want to be associated with the genre, which is funny to me because is music like clearly points in that direction. So he was born in 1949, and he passed away in 2011. And again, he produced most of his music during the 70s and 80s. So this is actually um, sort of towards the end of his output, um, this album, Reflections. Um, he was very prolific in the late 70s and early 80s. This song, Andrew, is about Ronald Reagan.
1: Yeah, I noticed that. that's the president
0: we're going for here. It's not exactly uh, pro-Reagan.
1: Yeah, I would say it's uh, anti-Reagan is actually how I would describe it.
0: Yeah, so unlike kind of the savior notion we had with Abraham Lincoln and Lead Belly, Gil Scott Heron is not for Reagan. The opening line of this song is... Well, the first thing I want to say is Mandate my ass. But I think it's really cool, Andrew, how he uh, integrates the whole idea of Reagan being a movie actor. But kind of a mediocre one. (laughs) Yeah. Into being a bad president and then also acting uh, as like a form of lying to the American public and then feeling like uh, your life, the generic you, is inside of a movie. Um, And it's kind of a really elegant, very poetic construction. He talks um, quite a bit about John Wayne, also in the song, and how what Americans wanted was somebody who was like John Wayne, but they couldn't have Wayne, so they settled for Ronald Reagan. And thus... Uh, life is a B movie, um, and Reagan is a B level actor.
1: Yeah, one of the things that I liked about this song is that it's it's like good analysis. You know, it's not just like it's not like you've brought me that like Eminem freestyle about Trump that people liked for some reason. You know, no. Um, like it's it's intelligent uh like deconstruction of the of the like appeal of Ronald Reagan and why that's flawed. And I I don't know, I mean I, I, I it's different now because the subject matter of a presidential criticism is so much more basic. Um, So I can't really fault Eminem for that because it's not like he's been like, ah, this is this, blah, 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 or delve into this. It's more just like, ah, yes, people are racist and stupid and they want someone who is too. Um,
0: Yeah, um, Heron (laughs) talks about, like, Reagan acting, he acted like he was going to be president. Um, One thing that we can safely say is that is not the case with our current president who does not even attempt to act like one. Despite the fact that Reagan, right? Uh, kind of the underlying notion here is that Reagan was also a racist and had very harmful policies to wide swaths of America, particularly black America.
1: Absolutely. So, but there's st- there's more nuance in terms of not, uh, hold on. <laughs> I want to restate that. There's more nuance to the presentation of that than there is in, in our current state of affairs.
0: Yeah, definitely. It would be hard for there to be less nuanced, to be honest. (laughs) Uh, (sighs) Hey, everybody. If you haven't registered to vote, now might be a good time to
1: register to vote. Yes. The idea concerns the fact that this country wants nostalgia. They want to go back as far as they can, even if it's only as far as last week. Not to face now or tomorrow, but to face backwards and yesterday was the day of our cinema heroes riding to the rescue
0: at the last possible moment. The other thing that's worth pointing out is how awesome uh, Gil Scott Heron's voice is here. Um, And he can sing, and he does sing on this song, but he mostly sticks to spoken word, and he just has such uh, a quality of his voice where it really sucks you in. It It sounds like you're listening to somebody give a speech at a rally, like on the street, right? Yeah. Like he's got a bunch of people listening to him and he's going on about how like terrible Reagan is and it almost feels like it could be improvisational and off the cuff and um there's just like this band like grooving in the background. Um, uh, which is an awesome feel.
1: Yeah, I mean it's a the like structure of a spoken word sort of jazz influenced piece of work. It's a, it's a poem and it's a piece of music and it's a speech. Um, especially when it's executed in such an excellent way by someone who has such presence, as you said. It's just uh, so powerful. <laughs>
0: Some new tunes We got some new tunes this week How about them new tunes
1: They sure are new
0: Brand new Fresh out of the oven New tunes get them here Get them fresh
1: Okay anyway My new tune is um, A song called People Wake Up by the Heliocentrics next to nothing about the heliocentrics they're from england and they're sort of a psych rock jazzy kind of group is how i would describe them
0: yeah they they kind of elude some of that uh genre description yeah we're so obsessed with on fresh press
1: yeah um this is another uh pretty long song it's about 10 minutes long um and I think this is a different style of long song than the Gil Scott Heron one.
0: Oh, no, definitely. Yes, I would agree.
1: Like, uh, the song that you brought is, it sort of, like, flows for the whole way in, it's not that it's one note. I just mean, like, it just sort of is building on itself and evolving the same thing continuously. Whereas this has, like, almost completely discrete sections. Like you think the song is over, but then there's another section of the song um, that goes in another direction, Um, which was really interesting to me. It just, it just, this is just something that kept drawing me back in, um, which is why I picked it over, over the other songs that I chose that I was listening to.
0: Yeah. It's almost classical in that composition style, right? Like, Rather than having a single theme throughout the song There's You know like a development section it feels like or
1: um... Yeah I mean it definitely feels Like a jam Like it doesn't feel like it's st- Totally structured ahead of time um, It feels Improvisational in some ways Yeah it just feels like it. Uh, you are listening to it And if you look down at the time you're like oh shit Where the hell is this going to go next You don't know <laughs> I want to read something how they describe themselves first of all they say cosmic psychedelic funk is what Wait. they call their yes. music. yes
0: yes yes
1: and then they have this like long list of uh influences that they uh want to mention um i think not just for this album but for their whole body of work in general which is uh Drawing equally from the funk universe of James Brown, the disorienting asymmetry of Sun Ra, the cinematic scope of Ennio Morricone, the sublime fusion of David Axelrod, Pierre Henry's turned-on musique Concrete, and Cannes' beat-heavy Krautrock. Yeah, there you so, go. That's a pretty
0: wide range of influences, I'd say. <laughs> yeah, it is. They're like, we just listen um, to a bunch of music and we're like, oh, let's put it all together. How would that <laughs> sound?
1: Yeah. Sounds pretty good. Sounds pretty yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a common thread there of, of, I don't know. I mean, there's some, maybe this is too uh, reductive, but there's some common thread of that, like, psychedelic undertone. Obviously, like, not everyone here is intentionally psychedelic, but there's something uh, sort of, I think mentally transcendental to use that song from, for the second, to use that word for the second song in this podcast. Um, about each of those uh, types of music, um, and obviously each of those types of music has more layers to it. But I can see how they all get linked and filtered through this band into this music. Does that make any sense?
0: No, it does. It sounds like everybody who made all those kinds of music and also the heliocentrics were tripping their balls off when they made this music and it really worked out in their favor. Isn't that what psychedelia is anyway?
1: I mean, I would guess that probably, I mean, not all of those people were, tri- I, I don't know.
0: Um, I really enjoy kind of the jazz influence. You, I think alluded to it with a good point about like sort of the improvisational feel of the whole song. But also the percussion, it was clearly drawing from a jazz influence. Not swing, right, but um, lots of hi-hat, for instance. Um, That runs kind of as a line throughout the whole song and throughout, um, I think, most of this album. They also do some weird instrumentation things, which I don't know if you were able to figure out. They have some really interesting instruments that it sounds like they're playing. And there's like... A random appearance of midi strings Like uh, around minute three you you're Like what
1: uh, Yeah I don't know like I, f- I feel like they it's That contributes to that sort of Improvisational uh, Sense of it where it's just like oh let's just Throw some shit in yeah whatever it doesn't need to be like There doesn't need to be a reason To do this here it's like ah yes Here the midi strings symbolize How phones the problem is phones You know it's just like Ah this would be cool let's do it Let's yeah, give it a shot.
0: Some of the effects of all of this is really to create an ambiance. I think, um, rather than just having specific musical purpose. Does that make sense? I think yeah, that's also what you're trying to say. That said, this is Draft of a High Rise, Part Three Their Stenciled Breath. The performing artist is Y Music. The composer is Caroline Shaw, off Y Music's new record, Ecstatic Science.
1: I was so glad that you picked something from this from this album um yeah isn't it because yeah i mean like like i was very much considering stuff but i'm glad that you brought it because you're not the one who went to school for for classical music so i want to hear your obviously it's not like you don't know anything about classical music but (laughs) i just mean like i've done a lot of analysis in my life And I don't want to do any more. So I'm interested to hear your full structural analysis of this piece.
0: Oh, it's so exciting. Here we go. This is going to be the part of the podcast, which we have every week, by the way, in case you haven't noticed, where Andrew tells me that I'm wrong. And he's usually right. So, (laughs) Um, so, yeah, quick biographical note on the two of us. Andrew was a music major with a focus in choral music, um, and I just studied classical music as a violinist for most of my life, but not nearly as competent as he is in this particular field. But it's time for us to do some classical music, Andrew. I agree. And this is great um, because it brings together um, two artists that are indie adjacent and collaborate together on this piece. So first we have Y Music, who is the performing sextet. So it's a sextet of... Rob Moose on violin, Nadia Sirota on viola, who, by the way, has a really, uh, apparently, a really famous podcast herself um, about classical music. I don't know, one like a Pulitzer Prize. Um, Clarice Jensen on cello, Alex Sopp on the flute, Hideaki Aomori on the clarinet, and CJ Camarieri on the trumpet. So you have a string trio and then flute, clarinet, trumpet as your wins. So they have worked with. Quick list here: Ben Folds, Paul Simon, Regina Spektor, Saint Vincent, Grizzly Bear, and Boni Fair, among others. So they're very Great's integrated. Album. <laughs> yeah, also. I just
1: I thought that was going to be on the list. The way Sorry, I right, it's a really good album. I,
0: yeah, I haven't listened to it, but that's very true. I wasn't trying to hit every single look. Okay, you know.
1: I just think you should have mentioned the staves. Anyway, uh, I think it shows that you're a misogynist. No, they're. I mean, they're really great. They're a great ensemble, and their constituent members are all super cool and also all very good at their instruments. And I think this is a really great album because I feel like there's a large number of people who are familiar with Y Music because of all of those collaborations that you just listed. Like, they listen right. to, like, the Ben Folds and Y Music thing, or they listen sure. to the Staves and Y Music thing, or they know that, like... Um, I know at least Rob Moose does like string arra- like he does string arrangements for Bon Iver for like any any Bon Iver song that has strings in it. Actually, most indie songs that have strings in it is like Rob Moose doing the arrangements. Yeah. Um. So people know them for that reason. Um. And then, so they have this like weird middle status. It's like they're a chamber ensemble, but they have so much like indie cred. So it's super cool for them to put out an album with all that's like all new compositions by um, people like Carolyn Shaw, like like people who are around and doing stuff now. um, That a lot of people who I think otherwise would not necessarily listen to an album of chamber music will listen to.
0: Yeah, this is a good point because this album. Despite all of their work they've done with these indie artists, right? This album is classical composition. It's chamber music. There's no, there's not really any direct in, indie influence that's obvious here. Beyond kind of just the natural influence that spreads between all music genres, um, they worked with a number of different composers on this record, um, including Missy Mazzoli, who's starting to get some buzz, Gabriela Smith, and uh, there is a three-part.
1: Um, Three-movement?
0: Sure. Three-movement composition called Draft of a High-Rise that is written by Caroline Shaw, and the song is the third movement of that. Um, and Caroline Shaw, Andrew, I know you are definitely familiar with her work.
1: <laughs> because of dark
0: oh well yes because of dark great show go watch it um but i was actually thinking of her work with all of the choral music that she's done
1: yes well that's an overlap so her her piece um wait fuck
0: what is it called it's called partita in eight voices
1: partita for eight. i knew it was like something for eight voices something like Musical form for eight voices, but I couldn't yeah. remember what it was. Partita for eight voices is featured in Dark and also is a really cool piece that you should listen to by itself.
0: Yeah, it won the Pulitzer Prize for music in 2013.
1: <laughs> so, yeah. Uh,
0: yeah, great modern composition. Um, the opening, oh, shoot, I don't remember what it was, what the opening movement's called, uh, but it is just absolutely stunning to listen to. It's like these spoken overlapping vocals from the artists that then all blend together into these like pretty soaring harmonies. Um and Caroline Shaw is in her thirties, right? Really young. Like we think of composers yeah. as kind of being old people. Um she is very new um and super talented. Um and this is another one of her compositions. Um so I picked this particular song um off of the record because I think it highlights each instrumentalist kind of nicely separately and then in unison. Um, so the song opens with a melody in round from the clarinet and the flute and then the viola. There is uh, counter melodies that come in from the violin and then the trumpet. Um, I, as a violinist, am particularly struck by violin playing um, which has uh, a really beautiful harmonic which adds a lot of space, I think, to the song, which I think is very cool. Uh, And then the cello comes in last, um, really in its uh, lower bass range. So these are like really, really broad harmonies, right? And then it changes uh, pretty definitively into this um, cool like pizzicato plucked stri- uh, section in the strings, um, with the melodies just staying in the winds. That sort of flips as the horns go into a staccato section and then the strings switch to bode uh, or arco for those of you who are classical musicians. Um, and the cello becomes, uh, there's like some really interesting percussive work throughout the whole album that the cello is involved in and also in this song. Um, so there you go, a- Andrew, that's my analysis. How was it?
1: Oh, I guess it was good enough. <laughs> i feel
0: like i'm a student trying to impress the teacher here which is not how this podcast is supposed to go
1: no it's not at all um no i i this is this is i'm glad that you brought something from this album and i'm especially glad that you brought this piece and i'm thirdly especially glad that you brought this third movement of it because i think it's the most interesting of of the is the most interesting movement of the piece um like everything that you said it it really uh individualizes each of the instruments you can tell that it's written for this ensemble you know Um, yeah the way that it it develops and and plays the different timbres of the different instruments um it's just really skillful composition and obviously really skillful playing (laughs)
0: Any other great music you wanted to highlight from this past week, Andrew?
1: Um, there's a lot of good stuff. Uh, I um, uh, really liked a new song by Trace Mountains. And the title of that song is Lost in the Country. It's a really cool sort of like stream of consciousness, consciousness uh, style song. Uh, there's a sequence like uh, I used the venue Wi-Fi I checked my email twice as I sat and cried The singer from the other band asked if I was alright Just like great lines um, That uh, are just like Casually describing like a, a Depressive episode that he went through Which is really my vibe um, yep. I just decided to end up Ended up going with something a little more psychedelic This week uh, Did you hear anything good this week Gabe?
0: Yeah, I wanted to point out Cindy Lee, who put out a record called "What's Tonight to Eternity," and she's uh, it's just like absolutely reverb drenched. Um, really cool compositions. Um, yeah, I recommend the whole album. And I know everybody in the world knows about the Tam Impala record that came out um, on Friday called "The Slow Rush," um, and I think it's a interesting continuation towards kind of the softer psychedelia that Kevin Parker's been after and I'm going to see them in concert soon. So I'm excited about this album.
1: Um, if you like some more chambery stuff, but want to get a little more experimental than why music usually does, I recommend, um, Katie Gately's album loom. Um, she's got some cool like experimental kind of electronic chambery stuff. A lot of vocal shit going on. Um, and Gabe, there is one other thing that we do need to discuss briefly.
0: Oh no, what's that?
1: The new Strokes release. Oh, do we have to? <laughs> well, I feel like it's important enough. The Strokes are coming back. Um, April tenth, and they and they played a a show for Bernie. That's right. And which I respect. Um, and they uh debuts I think they de- debuted a couple songs at that rally which I haven't like listened to any recordings of that but they released uh one of those songs um this week
0: Yeah it's kind of disappointing
1: I think it sounds like a track that was cut from a late killers album
0: Wow that is way worse than kind of disappointing God <laughs> damn <laughs> oh my goodness uh wow it's like
1: obviously by the strokes but it's like i think that's all that i like about it
0: so here's my great fear with the strokes as a band they released one unbelievable album that is one of the most influential albums the last 20 years um is spectacularly written, extremely tight, the composition is wonderful. Then they released a second album where they tried to experiment a little, and it's also good, but by no means influential. And then they've done nothing interesting since then. So yes, I'm going to listen to their album that comes out in April, but I'm not necessarily, like I want to be excited because it's The Strokes, right? And everybody thinks of The Strokes as this balm uh this band that released uh is this it but yeah I don't think that band exists anymore. Um and I don't think that they really have anything fresh to do. And yeah I do want
1: to challenge I think there's a couple good songs on their third album.
0: Alright. Yeah. I I'm just like I, I haven't been impressed with anything since Room on Fire. But that's okay. I'm still gonna listen to the album. Um and yeah, the strokes are a really important indie band like really yeah. important so they have earned at least that anyway on that upbeat note <laughs> <laughs> that's our show for the week um you can find us on twitter at fresh pressed pod um we also have a playlist of the music that we put on the show on spotify which you can find in the show notes we are also trying to expand our listenership um so, we would appreciate uh, giving us, um, if you haven't subscribed, obviously, please do that. Um, and if you want to leave us a rate and review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes or whatever we're calling it now, um, we would love that. Well, uh, Gabe, you should know. <laughs> it's called Apple Podcasts, but everybody likes to think of it as iTunes still. Um, and, yeah, please go ahead, tell some of your friends. Let us let them know what we're up to. Um, we're hoping to kind of expand our footprint. Um, hopefully we'll get the website back online in a functional format. Um, we might be starting an Instagram page. So Stay tuned for those developments. Anything else, Andrew?
1: Oh, you did this last week, and it, and it bit you in the ass to pass it to me at the end. After you've already said everything that needs to be said.
0: Yeah, but I want to give you the opportunity to say something funny.
1: Because you're the funny one. Uh, Yeah, but now I've, I've talked it away. It's gone. The moment's gone. Anyway, I'm Gabe. I'm Andrew.
0: And you've been listening to Fresh Press. See you next week.